0: This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. You can take control of the airwaves by giving us a call at the toll-free number of 855-450-3733. Again, that's 855-450-FREE, as in Free Talk Live. With you tonight, it's Aria.
1: And Ian.
0: And exciting news in the world of Bitcoin. Is it? Well, it's... We finally know who Satoshi is. No, we don't. No, we we don't. No, we we don't. totally don't. Someone else, however, has come forward claiming to be Satoshi. Yes, but they have been nicknamed Potoshi.
1: Well, there's a <laughs> lot of uh, there's a lot of nicknames for this person. I, I I liked that one. You know, looking on Twitter, which is where, of course, you get people just tearing up things in general. In a lot of cases, especially in the crypto world. Uh, there's a lot of really creative names uh, for this particular iteration of Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, we should probably mention who Satoshi Nakamoto is. Like
0: Craig Wright. Well,
1: like who is Satoshi Nakamoto? <laughs> that was also
0: a joke. Craig Wright is yeah. definitely not Satoshi Nakamoto. So,
1: Satoshi Nakamoto is the creator of Bitcoin, right? And it's a pseudonym, so we don't know who Satoshi Nakamoto is. That person or persons. Uh, dropped off of the radar basically back in like 2011, I think it was.
0: I wasn't following there. crypto then, so I'm not sure the yeah. exact timeline. But it was somewhere very around there, early in Bitcoin's. We've had Bitcoin without Satoshi longer than we had Bitcoin with Satoshi. Oh yeah, much
1: much longer. And nobody really knows what happened to the real Satoshi. So there have in recent years, like
0: he probably know, retired, a multi-billionaire, or he or she is
1: dead. Um, one of the people who was earlier, I guess, this, this person cites Hal Finney as his uh, his inspiration in creating Bitcoin and a mentor. He and cites I, who? Hal Finney. And a lot of people believe that this Hal Finney is actually Satoshi Nakamoto, or was Satoshi Nakamoto. He's now dead. Interesting. Um, but, you know, we've obviously people want to know right like if there's a secret people want to know what the secret is and so clearly there's a lot of people out there who want to know who satoshi nakamoto is and so there are a number of people who want to claim
0: that they are satoshi nakamoto i would love to know who satoshi is Mm -hmm. but i don't think it's ever going to happen i think it's a secret that is going to remain a secret for the rest of humanity's existence well, that would be the best bet if that were the case, I
1: think, for, for the actual person who is Satoshi Nakamoto, because, you know, essentially that person, if they are revealed, would oh, become Bitcoin? a target.
0: By the governments, absolutely. Not just well,
1: governments, but, you true. know, anybody else. this Whoever this person is purportedly has access to upwards of a million Bitcoin, which is like That's 10 plus billion dollars worth of, of Bitcoin, <laughs> according to what I've been reading today.
0: It's quite a lot. I yes. thought it was more like one hundred and ninety thousand ish, but yeah, evidently this no new not fake Toshi. Well, Pot- potoshi, fake Toshi. Uh, these,
1: this guy, you know, he claims it was nine hundred and eighty thousand, and I've seen that backed up elsewhere that Satoshi may have as much as a million Bitcoin to his name, which is actually a seventeenth of what is currently available. There's just over seventeen million Bitcoin, uh, you know, out there, decentralized. Well, I mean, it is decentralized. Um, sure. It's it's being held mostly by a lot of different people, by hundreds, probably hundreds of thousands of people around the world. But, you know, clearly whoever it is the creator is should have some fair amount of these things. I mean, it was relatively easy to to mine it. Absolutely. They were mining
0: it on CPUs and laptops initially
1: and he, and he even shows in uh in this post that he made on his website which is it's basically it seems like it's just going to be some sort of a marketing ploy for some new coin that this person is going to release um I have read through his what they it's got quotes around it too which is weird my reveal is what it's called and <laughs> it was a two part series it was going to be a three part series but they took uh, the third part, and combined it with the second part. And so all that came out yesterday.
0: That's a sign of really bad planning.
1: The whole thing was uh, sort of half-assed. I mean, there was one point at which the the site was crashing, probably because it was getting a fair amount of uh, visits. But, you know, it, it just didn't look professional that this godfather of cryptocurrency couldn't even put up a website that could handle a little bit of traffic. And it's the posts are coming through a PR person, so the the claim's good. the claim Satoshi hired this old guy for p r uh, some old dude named Ivy who works out of New York City, which is a strange name for a man, but you know I guess it's possible sure and uh, so the posts are actually being made by the p r agent, apparently, so it's my reveal as told to this p r agent by this person claiming to be Satoshi Nakamoto. And, and
0: it looks interesting. It looks like something I would enjoy reading, but it also looks like it would bore the crap out of the average person because yeah. it starts getting into uh, it gets
1: into numerology. numerology and,
0: yeah, I mean, which is what?
1: really strange. And the, the, <laughs> And again, I've read through these things, and a lot of people would say it was just a total waste of time. But, you know, it, it's interesting to see what somebody who would claim to be one of the most important figures of our time, right? Like Satoshi Nakamoto, no no doubt about it, is one of the most important people in the modern age. Agreed. Right? Because, yeah. because Bitcoin, uh, and now cryptocurrency in general, has completely changed the way money works, the way... Uh, you know, it is a paradigm shift in how we think about money. In that, Absolutely. in that it is now decentralized. In that, money is now uh, distributed across thousands of individuals all around the planet. The control of that money is is decentralized and, and yeah, distributed. people are no
0: longer necessarily beholden to banks. That's correct. Which is a positive thing because as banks showed us in the two thousand recession, two thousand seven recession, uh, they can't be trusted. To do anything rational or logical or sensible. No, they work for the government. They do. And all they're interested in is becoming wealthier and wealthier at your expense.
1: Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being interested in becoming wealthier. Sure. Um, You know, and the banks aren't all bad people. Like, there's some decent people working in banking. Um, Of course. They probably don't work for the biggest of, of the banks, you know, like Jamie Dimon, not a decent person, the guy in charge of Chase Bank. Um, But, you know, some of the local bankers, they're doing their best in an industry that is just riddled with government regulations. And it's not to say that banks offer a bad service overall. It's useful for people to be able to hold their money in a more secure location. That's useful. That's worth something.
0: But crypto is more secure, I would argue. Yes, it is more secure. And on the other side of that ownership of it throughout this process whereas banks will loan out your money and they will reach in and take money out of your account if they feel like it if they're told to by the
1: government they certainly will do that
0: in the united kingdom they passed a law allowing banks to take up to 40 percent of people's um deposited money arbitrarily wow don't have to justify it if they want to they can just reach in and grab it so you know i'm not a i'm not a bank hater I've certainly
1: had some negative experiences with some of them because of the fact that I am a seller of Bitcoin, um, and as are you. You've been doing a lot of Bitcoin cash sales over at local.bitcoin.com. We'll talk about that later. Um, but overall, I think that they they serve a valuable purpose for people, and that's why they, they for the most part, still exist. However, it's nice to be able to leave that behind, that we don't need that anymore in order to have and to, to store and to use uh, cryptocurrency. So you can completely get away from using these banks and you can take care of your own security. But on the downside, taking care of your own security means that you don't have anyone else to blame if something if something goes wrong. And that's what Potoshi here, the new uh, poor Satoshi, <laughs> actually claims he has lost the 980,000 Bitcoin that he says that he mined on an old laptop a decade ago. By misplacing,
0: evidently, the hard drive.
1: Well, we can talk more about what the uh, his claimed story is, but of course, this means that he can't access the, uh, the Bitcoin, so therefore he can't move the Bitcoin, which would of course be rock-solid evidence that he is indeed Satoshi. Amazing how that works. Bitcoin that has never been moved since it was mined, uh, so we can talk more about this silly person coming up
0: absolutely I don't, what does he hope to get out of this uh, be publicity my question publicity Th- that publicity didn't work out too well for roger wright who roger wright craig Ro- wright craig wright Remember. yeah sorry well
1: i don't know let's talk about that absolutely okay
0: give us a call let us know what you think about this whole potoshi nonsense 855-450-3733 again this 855-450-free as in freedom This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Give us a call with our toll-free number at 855-450-3733. Again, that's 855-450-FREE, as in Free Talk Live. With you tonight, it's Aria.
1: And I'm Ian, also now joining us.
0: Johnson. So we've been talking about the latest claimant to satoshi nakamoto's throne
1: i'm sure there have been many of these these people uh it's just there are certain ones that have gotten more attention than sure. others and so this is
0: the newest it didn't latest. take long of course for twitter to begin looking at this and just tear into it uh leading off with an examination of the actual writing style itself which mm-hmm. Would ordinarily be a fair criticism, but as it points out there on the website that he created making this claim in the first place, the person making the claim didn't actually write it. It was written by someone else who did some interviews with him.
1: That's the claim, yeah, a PR agent that the supposed Satoshi hired to represent him.
0: Yeah, and he's not a especially good writer, it's worth pointing out. There's quite a few grammatical mistakes and things of that nature that you wouldn't expect somebody with a PR firm to make. So there are differences in tone and in the grammar, and just it's written in run-on sentences. And it's just generally a mess. It also looks relatively unprofessional. You know, the Satoshi Nakamoto who created Bitcoin. Freaking Bitcoin has the technical capabilities to create a more robust website. I would think so. I would like to believe that is the case. (laughs) But evidently, he's making the claim that he is in fact Satoshi and he lost the 900-something thousand Bitcoin that he was supposed to have, saying that they were on his hard drive and he lost it. Well, he claimed
1: in the article, just to, to give a little more detail... That the hard drive that had the nine hundred and eighty thousand Bitcoin on it was sent to a repair center because something went wrong with the laptop in in question. That so Toshi Nakamoto
0: couldn't repair his own laptop. Is <laughs> yeah. <the contention>.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. yeah, that's the contention. Uh, and and also, of course, you know the contention that he wasn't smart enough to back up his wallet. With 980,000. I mean, I guess at that time, 980,000 Bitcoin probably wasn't worth a whole lot. Uh, But regardless... He did not do any due diligence on this whatsoever, could not repair his own laptop. Now, you know, if a motherboard fails on a laptop, that's a tough one to, to repair. you got to get, get the same board and switch it out, and you probably want to have a repair center do a job like that generally. It's a little harder to work on a laptop than it is, say, you know, a, a desktop size computer. So, to sure, be fair.
0: But he could, I mean, taking out the hard drive that has your 980,000 bitcoins on it is no you, it's easy. never any more than four screws yeah right?
1: they, they, well <laughs> inside the device yeah I've, I've seen backs of of laptops take several screws to uh, to remove but True. Re- regardless you know the claim being that uh he just left this hard drive in his laptop and that then they replaced the hard drive when doing the repair job on the laptop and afterwards he was just he doesn't even mention in his story that he even tried to call them you know, like he didn't even he did. The way the story is written is those he just sort sort of shrugs and was like, "Well, it's gone, I guess." <laughs> he didn't even like, you know, if I'd lost something like that, I my first thing would i that I would do would be to call Circuit City or whoever it was, you know, Toshiba or wherever it was sent, and say, uh, "Yeah, I'm gonna need that that hard drive back." <laughs> but. Right. Yeah, would you expect there
0: to also be all sorts of development papers and technical writings and things like that on this laptop that he would probably also want, independently of the Bitcoin and its value?
1: He did claim that the hard drive was encrypted.
2: Well, maybe the numbers of the universe told him that he's this is not his destiny.
3: <laughs> maybe
2: right. it was like he saw that it, he did it at Best Buy, and Best Buy has seven letters, and seven plus six plus five, because of the date or something, right. told him that you know it was 73, so 73 is a no, because it adds up to one and zero, and somehow that's you know on and off, and therefore it's ends and off, and therefore he shouldn't say it, because numerology. For
1: those just tuning in, uh, <laughs> what you're referring to, Johnson, is that this guy, this person proclaims satoshi says he's fascinated by numerology and actually when you read through these these writings uh that dominates i mean talk about adding numbers together and names and what the numbers in the name stand for and then you sum up the numbers and they like mean something to him a bunch uh, of
0: quasi mystical crap that the original that the actual satoshi nakamoto never even alluded to that's in the early bitcoin newsletters not at all
2: yeah i'm gonna so. guess that just to be into c- encryption does not equate to having to be into ridiculous numerology. <laughs> not really the same thing.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't even really tout himself as a programmer very, you know, like he doesn't suggest here that he's a particularly good programmer or anything like that in these uh, in these letters. Um, later, he says he went and worked for the National Health Service. So he became a bureaucrat.
0: In the U.K.? In the U.K., Yeah.
1: That's where he was living. So that's one of the other strange things, because, like, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto, as I understood it, was somebody who was, like, all about undermining the the governments and the banks. That was what I understood.
0: Yeah. I've never actually sat down to read the Bitcoin newsletters and all of that that he actually wrote. But people who have read them, or at least claim to have read them, represent him as someone who was very much anti-state. Maybe not necessarily an anarchist, but he saw the problems with the state having this level of control over us as expressed through the control of our financial system.
1: Yeah, I mean, basically, this is just a load of crap, uh, this new But it's Satoshi, a peculiar
0: load of crap.
1: It, yeah, I mean, it, it's unusual. I mean, <laughs> the guy's getting more attention as a result of uh, the way he went about this, and kudos to him, I guess. If, if some people fall for this... I don't know how many people who read through this will actually like get into it except for people who are already into numerology and they'll they'll you know, their response will be like, I always knew Satoshi was a numerologist.
2: <laughs> That's true. It like says hear, here. Go ahead. i would say I like to hear this guy's theory on nine <laughs> the, eleven.
1: The Potoshi theory? Yeah, sure. I sure <laughs> the what? Potoshi. That was the best name that I saw him being called on. Because he's poor now, right? Right. Because right. uh-huh. he lost all of the nine hundred eighty thousand bitcoins, and then didn't apparently didn't bother to mine any after that.
0: What's really weird about what I'm reading here? His claim about this hard drive—my everything was in that hard drive. It was military grade encrypted and password protected. Yeah. Uh, don't don't you like write encryption software there, Satoshi? Mm-hmm. Why would you use? military grade encryption rather
2: than i had encrypted this hard drive personally i don't know you know i, I just came up with a new theory based on the way you said that it just made me think this that uh maybe maybe it's actually donald trump that is the nakamoto <laughs> it's it's potus she potus she <laughs>
1: that's cute
2: well it's definitely not this uh whew,
1: i
0: have already james khan
1: james Kahn is his name he changed his name <laughs> to the famous actor his real name, the one he was born with at least, uh, is like Bilal Khalid.
2: I liked how there was also the changing birth dates as well. Did you see that? Did the he numerology? change his birthday? Yeah, there was multiple birth dates as well. He, he added three years to his, uh, or like subtracted uh, three from 1978 to 1975 because the numbers didn't add up in numerology and he found that it would be a great way to wow. encrypt it. I mean, it's just lunacy.
0: It's tripe. Yeah. I look forward to reading this tripe, though it sounds. I, I like peering into the minds of mad. Yes, people. that is fun. It can be fun to
1: read what crazy people have to say,
0: but we're Wait, not going to read it on the air because no, it's bad. Yeah, it's, it's really absolutely bad. atrocious. Yes, well, eight five five four five zero three seven three three. What do you think about this latest Satoshi? This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Give us a call, 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria, Johnson, and Ian. Johnson, why don't you tell us about Local.Bitcoin.com?
2: Alrighty, Local.Bitcoin.com, or actually I should say Bitcoin.com, has launched a trading platform at Local.Bitcoin.com, allowing you to buy or sell Bitcoin Cash via dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, or meeting in person with cash. There are no ID requirements to sign up for and to use the site, and all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted. Finally, a global trading platform that respects your privacy. Visit local.bitcoin.com to get started trading Bitcoin Cash. Again, go to local.bitcoin.com. Do you happen to use the site Johnson? I have not used the site yet. I have not done any local transactions uh for the most part with uh my crypto unless it's just someone I know because I am a hodler. Ah, so so good. far.
0: It's an awesome site. I would highly recommend checking it out. Whether you want to buy it or sell, it's it's special. I At mean, some really.
2: point for sure I'm going to need to unload because all I do is hold and uh you know, hopefully uh, the value will ha- continue the trend and and continue going up over longer periods of time.
0: Here's to hoping. Let's get right into the phones. We've got Jaws calling from Ohio. Jaws, you're on Free Talk Live.
4: Hey guys, how are you? Hey, what's, hey, on, your what's on your mind? I, all right. So the other day, I was um I don't know how I stumbled across this. I guess through general research, uh, I had noticed that uh, the death penalty according to Gallup polls, is actually getting more, the most op- opposition it's gotten since the 1960s, which uh, actually gives Good. me a little bit of hope because I honestly don't understand how anybody could support the idea of the state murdering people or just the general idea of repaying evil with evil. Uh, the latest Gallup poll showed that uh, 41% of people opposed the death penalty, while 56 favored. That's actually quite a high margin. And I think the trend is showing that it may get to 1966 levels, which was the last time that the majority of people polled showed opposition to the death penalty. Um, But I think a lot of the people that support the death penalty um, are right in their motives. But I hate the way the question is framed because it's always framed as, you know, do these individuals that have committed these heinous crimes deserve to die? And um, I think a case could be made that certain people might deserve to die. But the question should be framed as, does anything give the society the right to put an individual to death?
0: That, that's where my caveat would come in, uh, because deserve to die is a subjective determination. And I don't know who sh- who should have that right to make that determination about someone else. I would say that no one should have that right, because none of yeah. us are going to be free of personal biases and Indignation and whatever else motivates people to go, no, this person needs to die. Mm.
4: Yeah, I understand why some people, you know, the emotional aspect of it, you know, for example, like if somebody were to do something really terrible to my wife or my family, for example, I would probably, yeah, I'd probably want that person to die. But, you know, if it were, if I were looking at it from an objective state of mind, do I have the right to do harm to them or does anybody else have the right to do harm to them? Or should they be placed in an area, I I can understand placing them in an area where they have no possibility of interacting or harming the general populace, but I don't understand why so many people are just in this, you know, state of mind where they're just like, you know, fry the bastards, you know? You
1: don't understand why people want to punish ostensible criminals?
4: No, I don't understand why people would be so supportive of such an extreme punishment. It's some
1: kind of a bloodlust. I mean, in the same way that people would come out to see a guillotine, you know, somebody getting their head chopped off uh, back in the day. People are excited by that kind well, of stuff. Well, I mean,
0: we're, we're animals, mm-hmm. right? So we behave primarily like animals. That's right. So, and I mean, you, I mean, you imagine
2: be... the most vulnerable person you know who's closest to you right and then imagine that person being raped and murdered and then imagine how you would want to feel about the person who did that to them right i mean it it don't to me it's like why is that hard to picture yeah i understand why you would have uh, you know under what circumstance you might have bloodlust it's possible to understand it
0: without relating To it. Yeah, I don't agree with it. I
1: understand because anger is a very typical response. People jump straight to anger from wherever it is. You know, something bad happens, they get mad. Right. That's just Mm -hmm. like the normal response Mm -hmm. for people. And you have to, in my opinion, if you want to be more civilized, you know, if you want to be more uh, kind to other people, then you have to rise above the sort of the natural human response to get angry and lash out and get violent. And because then you're just lowering yourself to the level of, you know, what was done. Um, You're not rising above anything you certainly aren't going to fill whatever hole is inside of you that you've lost. You know, if you lost a loved one to something like this, um, this killing another person that, isn't going you know, to make that better.
0: It's inappropriate to feel that anger, right? Feel as much anger as you want until you're done, right? But don't allow it to control you. I think would right. be the distinction.
1: Yeah, to me, I'd rather forgive the person than hold a burden for the rest of my life. Um, you know, that'll never be fulfilled.
0: Yeah, and that vengeance that we build into the, quote, justice system certainly won't fulfill
2: it. And I think people also erroneously, though, think that uh, the death penalty is cheaper.
1: So, then, then oh, staying in prison,
2: yeah, then, then imprisoning someone for the rest of their life, which because you know, if somebody stays in prison for the rest of their life, they're going to have to be fed and clothed and you know, medical and all that stuff. And maybe it's a, you know, a young person has committed the heinous crime, so it's going to be a good 60 years that they're going to have to be fed and clothed. And you would think, oh, it, it would be cheaper just end them, right? Then nobody should have to pay taxes to take care of this person, etc., 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 except for the fact that the appeals process and and the actual cost of the execution is actually much higher than, in most cases, actually housing and clothing and feeding someone for many, That's many something years. That's never... Also, go ahead. go ahead.
4: No, you go ahead. Oh. I just don't understand that kind of line of thinking in people because I don't think that the justice system should be in its very nature. You know, I don't think it should work as a deterrent so much as it should work as something rehabilitated. Now you could make the argument that certain people like serial rapists or murderers, you know, may not shouldn't really be allowed into general society, but for a lot of smaller crimes even some domestic abuse situations, all people can be rehabilitated. I mean, you look at Norway's prison system for example, they take away their freedom but they don't take away their life. They're not allowed to make their own decisions, but they're not put away for, you know, their entire lives and they don't act it like Hey, you know you do something, and we're going to ruin your life. you know
0: what if they would prefer death?
4: Well, well, apparently Jeffrey Epstein did um yeah i I don't
1: see why anybody shouldn't be able to just take their own life. I mean, if somebody wants to if they're in a terrible position, they've been sentenced to life in prison, and they'd rather have the quick way
4: out. I say, let them have it as an option you're suggesting euthanasia as an option if you get like life imprisonment if they want to do even if it's not life imprisonment even if it's 20
1: years or 10 years and they're like yeah i'd rather die let them kill themselves why shouldn't they be able to
0: i agree but i have the position that suicide should generally be allowed to anyone. right
1: i also am of of that position
4: (laughs) yeah i'm i get a lot of crap for supporting suicide clinics if somebody wants that option so long as they're not in a position where they have some sort of mental defect where they can't make that decision Well, awesome,
0: uh, Jaws. Thank you so much for the call. You've given us quite a lot to think about on the subject of the death penalty, the justice system. Johnson, I want to go back to something you mentioned a moment ago about uh, this class of people, this group of people who views the death penalty versus life imprisonment as a matter of money. That's right. that's sick. Are, are there people calling them out on this? Like, hey, you are here weighing the cost of a human of life. Of course, but
2: you're talking <laughs> about people like, I would say, mostly that would probably be a, gla- a group of people that are far more on the far right. I'm sure that there are people on the left who probably think that way, too. Um, the more extremely statist you are, right, the more likely you are to believe that it authority is justified uh, in whatever form of justice uh, that authority decides to mete out, right? So, um, if you're uh, have committed a crime, you're worthless garbage that you know is just part of the system. To right? those I mean, I think that that's what, yeah, I think that's the the line of thinking, mm-hmm. right? It's horrifying what people do can do
0: in their defense of their belief in the state. Let us know what you think about the justice system. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Again, that's eight five five four five zero three seven three three. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Give us a call using our toll-free number. That's eight five five four five zero three seven three three. 450 With you tonight, it's Aria. Johnson. Indian, And we've been talking about Bitcoin a little bit. Now there's a report coming out, uh, according to the New York Times, that cryptocurrencies are becoming increasingly popular as a method to fund terrorism. At least that's what's being claimed here at Yahoo.com. Of course, the government itself in the past, some government agency or another, has come forward and said, oh, yeah, this is totally fabricated. There's no truth to it whatsoever because it turns out Lockheed Martin isn't going to sell you bombs for your bitcoins. You need to provide them with USD. So terrorists, when they do acquire some sort of cryptocurrency, they generally find it to be unusable but that's not the case according to yahoo.com
1: well it's actually a story that originated at the new york times and i <laughs> shocker i tried to go to their website and it's i don't know sometimes i can access their stories and sometimes that i can't so i'm gonna see if i can pull it up in a, a private browser here so According to the New York Times, yeah, they're locking me down. All right. So anyway, the summary here from Yahoo.com's decrypt finance report is that cryptocurrencies are becoming increasingly popular as a method to fund terrorists, according to the New York Times. Citing a research paper written by Steven Stalinsky, the executive director of the Middle East Media Research Institute a nonprofit that tracks and translates communications from terrorist groups. The article suggests that crypto fundraising for terrorist organizations is becoming more common as groups look for ways to raise cash that avoid banks and other intermediaries. The Times also reports that Hamas, a Palestinian fundamentalist group based in the Gaza Strip, has set up a website to collect Bitcoin donations. The website, which has been active for months, contains a single video, slickly animated and translated ...into seven different languages appealing for Bitcoin donations. Hamas has two distinct wings, the Dawah, its civilian arm, and the Iz-ad-Din al qassam Brigade, its military arm. The latter is listed as a terrorist organization by the UK, Australia, and New Zealand. The US, however, does not make that distinction and regards Hamas in its entirety as a terrorist organization. The website in question has been set up by the militant wing, known colloquially as the Qassam Brigades... The video on the website actually makes the claim that, quote, Bitcoin is a currency that cannot be tracked, unquote. Which is false. So false. And (laughs) when I first heard that, I thought this must be like a CIA front. Either that or they really did not do any research whatsoever (laughs) on the video that they produced.
0: Well, I'm looking into this organization here. MEMORY is their acronym. That's the Middle East Media Research Institute. They are based as a nonprofit charity in Washington, D.C. Okay. And they receive quite a bit of money from the U.S. Department of State's Office of International Religious Freedom in the Bureau of Democracy, Human Rights, and Labor.
1: So they're toting water for the federal government.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. That would be my conclusion. Because you got to wonder, how does a company that monitors terrorist communications make money? You know, that's not a marketable skill set. Not really. So the government pays them to, essentially. And judging from this, the government pays them to say that terrorists
2: are using untraceable Bitcoin. To- this is kind of interesting. So I was looking up to see, like, there have been a series over times of, like, uh, maps that will show like terrorist attacks and locations and okay. details about where they they happened and and one of the terrorist attacks that I see listed here right twenty four fatalities, um, in Burkina Faso it's a it was a the Kutugu department in Burkina Faso I don't know exactly where that is but apparently it was an Al Qaeda uh in the Islamic Maghreb suspected or the suspected terrorists who engaged in this but. The attack is described as unidentified militants launched an attack on an army unit killing 24 soldiers and wounding seven others the heaviest loss for the army in its fight etc etc etc. They characterize they, this as terrorism? Yeah, they're characterizing this as terrorism. I'm wondering how many of the terrorism statistics are them redefining because they don't want to show combat losses as combat losses. So there are fatalities in a terrorist attack as opposed to losing an a unwinnable battle. battle.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting speculation.
2: It I certainly
0: is. Evidently, this video that you're talking about where they refer to Bitcoin as a currency that cannot be tracked yeah. invites donors to send money to a Bitcoin wallet. That's right. It, it sounds like a CIA scam.
1: Yeah, I don't know, but... it. it- Either these people are totally ignorant of what Bitcoin actually is or this is a setup and somebody wants, you know, donations to be made to this address some governmental agency like the CIA wants to begin tracking who who would donate money to this particular uh, fund.
0: That now, would be my guess.
1: Now you won't necessarily know who is making those donations unless you can track the wallets. Yeah, but someone's from which stupid come. enough to do this? Yeah.
0: Would be stupid enough to buy the Bitcoin on like Coinbase, on Coinbase. or something <laughs> yeah. and turn right. around and send it to a terrorist group.
1: Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was kind of interesting. And you know, this is clearly a propaganda hit uh, against Bitcoin. It's appearing in the New York Times, one of the world's most, you know, foremost newspapers out there um and it's just an all out attack on uh, on crypt- cryptocurrency and on bitcoin and you know we shouldn't be surprised to see things like this you've got bitcoin now at close to eleven, twelve thousand. 12000 where was it today like 11 something thousand 10000 anyway it's over 10000 uh today nice it's, you know it's uh, it's an expensive thing and it's catching on and these governments of the world they they know they can't stop it but if they can basically slander it or libel it and badmouth it uh, enough to where, you know, people are afraid of it, because if they can create in people's minds this this connection or association with terrorism, and simultaneously drug dealing,
0: providing people with Libra at the, the same time—that's yeah, the Facebook one—that the government is pretending to hate, but I see no reason whatsoever to think that the government is actually not a fan of the Facebook cryptocurrency. Really, you think the government? likes facebook's idea yes why because it's a way for facebook to co-opt the cryptocurrency idea Mm -hmm. while keeping it under state control it's a way of them making a usd coin without actually making the usd coin
1: well they're not going to make a usd coin the facebook crypto is supposedly going to be backed by what they call a basket of currencies so it should be some sort of a mix of various different fiats and other so called safe investments.
2: Sure. How uh, does Facebook make its money? Well, congressmen, we sell advertising. We sell crypto. Oh, crypto. <laughs> we sell crypto. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's, ne- there's definitely no doubt that the Facebook coin will be tracked, it will be trackable. They will have a database of all about who's buying it and how they're spending it, and they'll know everything about that. And the government will certainly utilize that whenever it deems fit to investigate somebody for something. Yeah. Um, so it will end up becoming a tool for the government to track. But I still think that the responses you're getting from people in the the government system are, are honest. Like, they don't like it. They don't like the fact that their currency could be upstaged. And there's a good chance that the Facebook currency, I don't think it's going to, you know, dominate the world or anything like that. But it could give people an alternative that isn't strictly dollar-based. And that's not a bad thing. And it does... Uh, you know, to some extent, harm the interests of the the government because it 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 lessens their viability. I guess right. Like, sure. oh, it's not a dollar coin; it's an everything coin. Or the a reason bunch that currencies. Libra
0: worries me is because Facebook has a built-in audience of something like two, two billion. billion people. Right. That's two billion people that they could, if they wanted to, send push notifications to or whatever, sure. and just constantly bombard you to use you signed up their for your currency. Libra account yet? Come yeah. on, sign up for an account. And probably half of the, It's like Bitcoin, free. but it's backed by Facebook's. Get your you next know, Uber legacy. ride. Get your next Uber ride for twenty percent off. Just open up your Libra yep. account. And I think it's going to be successful, terrifyingly successful. I would. think. I'll,
1: I'll open an account if I get twenty percent off of Uber.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I intend to purchase Libra. I'm not yeah. going to be as an investment, and not as a philosophical. Purchase or anything like that. Will
2: it be a really good investment, though? Because since yeah, it's I tied, would say labor would be a terrible investment. I, I would say Libra would be much, potentially much more useful as a medium of exchange. But it's a
1: stable coin, so it's not going to yeah. be an investment, yeah. right?
0: It can't be stable if it's dependent upon the amount of money bank- Facebook has in the banks which is how it's been characterized. Well, it's their
1: intention to make it into a a stable coin. Well, one
0: article mentioned it being a stable coin. The rest said that it's its value is going to be dependent on the amount of money that Facebook has in the banks.
1: Yeah, I don't know It'll how. it be interesting to see. Yeah, they have a white paper that's out. I have not read the the white paper. So there's, there's more information to be gleaned. And we're still just kind of speculating anyway because it's like a year away from actually happening.
0: That's interesting. I didn't know that they had released the white paper. The last I yeah. knew about this, this was all being leaked from Mm-mm. inside sources. White paper's out. It's been out for more than a month. Awesome. I will have to look into that. What do you think about Libra? What do you think about cryptocurrency and this nonsense from this quasi-governmental agency that terrorists are totally using, quote, untraceable Bitcoin? <laughs> Eight, five, five, four-
5: Hello, everyone. This is Courtney Shrem, and I want to invite you to join my husband and I, Charlie Shrem, on his new show, Untold Stories. For a deep dive into crypto history with the people who made that history. Together, we'll explore the personalities and events that gave rise to Bitcoin and the crypto revolution. The innovation, the collaboration, the battles and the bust. You'll have a front row seat to the early days of crypto up to today. And you'll hear it from the folks who lived through it and survived to drive this movement mainstream. Untold Stories looks back to reveal what inspired some of the greatest minds on earth to come together to create this technology and change the future for everyone. So join Charlie and his guests, the techies and the traders, the entrepreneurs and the innovators, as they explore our past and understand what that means for the future
3: free talk live
0: this is free talk live talk radio that you control give us a call at 8554503733 with you tonight, it's Aria. And Johnson. And Ian. So, Johnson, luxury beliefs coming to us from the New York Post. Uh, I, I started reading this when I was outside just now, and I find the implications of it when when I, in that very limited time frame, to actually sit down and think about it, to just be mind-blowing.
2: Yeah, I, I read this story, and I was taken aback by the... I don't know, the leaps in logic that are, are performed uh, very acrobatically in this story. So uh, I definitely want to cover it and, and see you know what, what the take is. I think that the, it's manipulative, but let, let's just get into it. So a story here by Rob Henderson from the New York Post, who goes on to say, a former classmate from Yale recently told me monogamy is kind of outdated and not good for society. So I asked her, what her background is, and if she planned to marry, and she said she comes from an affluent family and works at a well-known technology company. Yes, she personally intends to have a monogamous marriage, Hmm. but quickly added that marriage shouldn't have to be for everyone. She was raised by a traditional family. She planned on having a traditional family, but she maintained that traditional families are old-fashioned and society should evolve beyond them. What could explain this? So
1: basically, she has all these beliefs, but it doesn't
2: actually put them into... To, practice, yeah, yeah.
1: Practice in her own life,
2: yeah. And so she's saying, and, 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 "Hey, I, I can understand that. Sure, who's, uh, you know, especially any libertarian. I believe that, you know, anyone should be able to use whatever substance, put whatever substance they want in their body. For example, I mm-hmm. don't do it myself, but I believe everyone should have freedom. I have a principled belief in freedom, which means making some decisions that I don't, aren't, I'm not necessarily going to make for myself. However, true, implica- but you wouldn't
1: necessarily say that using drugs will make the world a better place, right? Sure.
0: Um, she's
1: saying I that- would,
2: with, with some drugs.
0: <laughs>
1: like, I would maybe say that too. Uh, but, you know, she's saying that these ideas- Actually,
2: no, and I, historically I have said that uh, I, I believe that if, you know, alcohol was replaced with marijuana, absolutely the world would be a better place. So, I think that's true. You know, yeah. Um, Replace them both with shrooms and we'll make the world even better. Yeah, uh, I don't agree with that statement.
1: <laughs> But my point being that here, she's making this, the claim, according to the author, that monogamy monogamy is not good for society,
2: but yet right. she is engaging in that behavior. Right. So he goes on to say, what could explain this? In the past, upper-class Americans used to display their uh, social status with luxury goods. Today, they do it with luxury beliefs.
0: And I find that to be an extremely profound statement. Johnson, I gathered from your... Um, synopsis of the article that you generally disagree with it. But I find that disparity between the statements of the upper class, if it's true that, you know, non-traditional families are destructive while they maintain traditional family structures and promote them actively where they are adopted by lower classes as a mechanism for them keeping the lower classes from
2: rising above. Into new stations. I don't think that there's that level. I mean, like, I, well, I want to go through the story before yeah. we get too far into it because I think you know, yes, I don't necessarily agree with this, but I don't entirely disagree with it either. But um, so. He goes on to say here, uh, people care a lot about social status. In fact, research indicates that respect and admiration from our peers are even more important than money for our sense of well-being.
1: Well, this has become a thing with younger generations, right? Like the Monopoly for Millennials game jokes about it um, by instead of earning money, you're supposed to earn experiences Right in that game. Yeah. You know? And, of course, people are all about likes right. on uh, social media, young people.
2: Because <laughs> they don't have any money to actually spend on anything. <laughs> right. Right. Well, we feel pressure to display our status in new ways. This is why fashionable clothing always changes. But as trendy clothes and other products become more accessible and affordable, there is increasingly less status attached to luxury goods. The upper classes have found a clever solution to this problem, luxury beliefs. These are ideas and opinions that confer status on the rich at a very little cost while taking a toll on the lower class. One example of luxury belief is that all family structures are equal. This is not true. Evidence is clear that families with two married parents are the most beneficial for young children, and yet affluent educated people raised by two married parents are more than likely uh, are more likely than others to believe that monogamy is outdated. Marriage is a sham or that all families are the same.
0: Well, hmm. that's that's factually incorrect. Evidence is not clear that families with two married parents are, in fact, the most beneficial for young children. You can really? Have, yeah, you can have three married parents, four married parents, five married parents. There really okay. isn't any evidence saying, oh, no, we need just two. Just two. You're right, I think number. they were
1: comparing 2 versus 1. So yeah, if you're going to say that having more parents than two is beneficial, I think you may, may you might be right as long as that's a loving relationship between right. those people and stable. But wouldn't you agree though that there's a big difference between having two parents or more and just one
0: parent? Well, if th- if their contention here is that, you know, uh, monogamy is outdated, then what they're effectively implying here is that monogamy is superior to polygamy or polyamory, implying the that? author of this article, by yeah, jumping straight from a discussion of marriage into how two mat- married parents is preferable for young children. Yeah, he may have that I think that
2: he's position. also suggesting that more than likely people who are affluent are coming from monogamous married Families.
1: I don't think he's thinking outside of the box and even considering three, four or five parent families. That's pretty. an un- That's an unusual situation. I think
0: that's exactly what he's trying to get at.
1: No, I don't think so at all. Typically, when you when people talk about marriage, they're comparing it. Or, or a relationship like that, uh, two parent household, they're comparing it to a single parent household or foster children or whatever. I mean, in which case, I think everyone would agree that having two parents is better than those other two situations.
2: I think he's also making abusive. a comparison of traditional beliefs, uh, you know, uh, to non traditional beliefs and, uh, making a comparison of the stability of those traditional, uh, You know, the the beliefs of typically affluent people, right? Typically people who are um, coming from, I would say, uh, monogamous hetero relationships of the past. Because that's historically been the sort of modus operandi of most of the world in terms of uh, how society has treated those people in terms of money, Um, and allowing them to rise to influence and power so it's kind of a chicken and egg situation when you are making this kind of comparison and that's part of why i think that this argument that this guy is making is flawed because i don't think that it's again it's because of the chicken egg situation if you're basing everything based on What affluent people like their beliefs? It's like, did the beliefs bring them to affluence or is the affluence, you know, was it there in advance? And it's just these beliefs are being passed down. So I don't think, you know, again, I don't think that it's necessarily the beliefs that are causing the affluence in some cases for some of what he's talking about. So he goes on to say, upper class people don a luxury belief to separate themselves from the lower class. To relax attitudes about marriage trickled down to the working class and the poor. In the 1960s, marriage rates between upper class and lower class Americans were nearly identical. But during this time, affluent Americans loosened social norms, expressing skepticism about marriage and monogamy. So, you know, he's saying again. So this is another thing that indicating that loosened loose social norms. Um, talking, he is attacking. Anything that's outside of what it would be traditionally considered normal, nor, normative,
1: um, and he's claiming that it was upper class Americans that somehow propagated these belief systems. It sounds like, yeah, that's what he's to claiming. the lower class. Yeah, that's
2: what he's claiming.
0: Uh-huh. Well, I mean one one of the two groups has reach. You know, they they control mm-hmm. the education system, the state, and all of that. So if they had a belief system that they did want to push, then they could do so.
2: While the lower class more does effectively, that yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so. He goes on. This luxury belief contributed to the erosion of the family. Today, the marriage rates of affluent Americans are nearly the same as they were in the 1960s, but working class people are far less likely to get married. Furthermore, out of wedlock birth birth rates are more than 10 times higher than they were in 1960, mostly among the poor and the working class.
0: Hmm.
2: More more on this. Yeah, there's so much more to talk about because he's got other examples
0: that absolutely have to be dove into. eight five five four five zero three seven three three. 450 What do you think about the author making the contention that monogamy is outdated? 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Take control of the airwaves by giving us a call at 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Johnson. And Ian. And if you operate a retail business and are looking for a way to accept cryptocurrency, then you should visit HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com. It's brought to us by the people who created AnyPay, which is a payment processing software that runs on any mobile device uh i think it's available on ios and android i know That's it's right. available on android you simply set it up it takes five minutes at, at the most it takes five minutes for you to be accepting bitcoin bitcoin cash dash litecoin and probably some other they've got 11
2: cryptos right and now. now you know it's available on ios yeah. it is indeed
0: <laughs> go to helpmetakebitcoin.com to find out how you can get started taking Bitcoin at your brick-and-mortar business. Help yourself by helping other people. HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com So, we've been talking about luxury, luxury beliefs. beliefs. And it's a new concept for me. I've never heard this crazy. before. The contention is that affluent people seldom have kids out of wedlock but are more likely than others to express the luxury belief that doing so is of no consequence. Yep. I feel like that's misleading. You know, yeah. I don't think it's being born out of wedlock that is necessarily the problem as much as it is being born out of a stable environment. Because mm-hmm. so many of these people who are born out of wedlock are born to 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds, people who are not prepared to raise a child. Right and i think the problem there is people having kids at too young of an age not whether or not they're married sure
1: i mean that's just a question of uh, unplanned pregnancies
2: yeah and that can happen to affluent people who that who then you know their families don't take care of them you know that can happen too right so but,
1: but an affluent family is more likely to be able to take care of
2: be uh, able to child. is not different you know there's a difference there between uh, ability and willingness right so you know sometimes uh, affluent families they're like you're on your own you mm-hmm. you know like by you know that that can happen. To sure. Somebody. Wouldn't a forced
0: in quotation marks abortion be the most likely scenario in those sorts of From an situations?
1: Appla family? Yeah. It depends on their religious beliefs, right?
2: Well, does it?
1: I, mean, <laughs> I think it does. Yeah.
2: Interestingly enough, here another luxury belief is that religion is irrational or harmful. Members of the upper class are most likely to be atheists or non-religious, but they have the resources and access to thrive without the unifying social social edifice of religion.
1: I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. They uh, can, they, what, the unifying social edifice of religion, the suggestion that you can be more successful if you join a church, is that what yes, he's saying?
2: That that would be the suggestion, is that, and, and I, I don't think that that's a wrong suggestion at all. Um... It's probably one of the strongest ways to tie into any community mm-hmm. is to join a church and to get to know everyone in the church and the community and develop a relationship. Okay, but that's
1: just networking.
2: Yeah, but it's really easy source of networking, right? Okay. You know? I mean, and it's you can also, also
1: go join the Lions Club or you know, Kiwanis. Which are typically or,
2: religiously affiliated organizations. Are they? Okay, I, yeah. I've never joined them, so I have no <laughs> yeah. idea.
0: Let's get into the phones. We've got Vegan calling in from Utah. Vegan, you are on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind?
6: Oh, hello. How's it going? Good. Good. What's on your mind? Speaking of
2: luxury beliefs.
6: So I'm just calling. I'm not uh, calling to try and convince any of you to switch to Vegan. I just want to call and talk about why I think within the next few years, whether it's three, five, or ten, everyone's going to be pretty much pretty much everyone's going to be vegan. Really? And what the consequences are are going to be of that? I want
1: to hear this. Why is almost everyone going to be vegan in the next decade?
6: So the reason is is first of all, no one needs to eat meat or dairy.
1: Well, no one needs to eat (laughs) no one needs to eat those things, but they're tasty.
2: No one needs to eat vegetables either. Sure,
1: true. Yeah, yeah so, Daryl, you would never no, ate vegetables for a long time.
0: <laughs> I would like right, to say I agree with your eat... premise, but not your
6: timeline.
1: All right, let's keep this going, though. I want to hear the rest.
6: Yeah, so, I mean, humans need to eat plants. Um, and so the no, argument, they don't. Like you said, don't.
1: Only... Dude, we had a co-host, seriously, for years here on Free Talk Live who never ate vegetables.
0: I mean, wasn't he like, no, I didn't say vegetables, also I overweight plant.
1: then? He was quite overweight. No, I, I said plant. But he didn't start eating no, didn't veg. Say- Hold on, he didn't start eating veggies when he lost the weight, though. Oh, he did it. No, okay. <laughs> no. He just started no, but working I didn't out. I say
6: vegetables. I said, I said plants. Human humans need plants, but we don't need vegetables. I'm not saying vegetables.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you need uh, plants to. I did
0: uh, eat a lot of bananas. So, so uh, are you talking like plucking some leaves out of a tree here? You're, I mean, so what? Are you what does your how contention? plants
1: change? Uh, what is it? Uh, carb- carbon monoc- carbon dioxide to oxygen. Right. Is that- Wait, we no, need no, no I'm, I'm
6: just saying, well, humans need carbohydrates to power their brain. So, I mean, if you don't eat plants... Whether That's it's, not true. Uh, you can power your brain
2: with ketones.
6: Um, no, you, you cannot live without some kind of plant, without, oh. without carbohydrates. You have to have carbohydrates. Um, but regardless, the only argument, like you said, Ian, uh, that uh, anybody can have is, is that it's tasty. And the thing is, is that's a really weak argument to to say, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna cause the suffering and death of animals <laughs> just so I can enjoy. Some so taste. you're all
1: right with causing and, the suffering of plants, though.
6: Well, plants don't have nervous systems, so okay. they're not suffering.
1: How do you know that? So, how do you know they're not suffering? I've heard I've heard plants well, scream not, when you when you kill them. You just can't hear it.
6: Well. Okay. But regardless Yeah, you just don't, don't want to hear it, do, it do it you? <laughs> there, you wouldn't
2: There are actually studies that uh, Well, again, plants, I'm not trying to convince plants you to communicate through pheromones and that one plant can actually react to, to it being cut. The harm of a of a nearby plant yeah. being
1: uh, Plants feel it, buddy. How do you how do you feel now? <laughs> Laugh it up. You laughing in their pain? Are you laughing
0: at the plants pain? <laughs>
2: Yes, you're yes, sick. I'm laughing at a plant. What a sick man. Well, I mean,
0: the reality here is that life feeds on life, so you're going to have to cause suffering to something if you want to continue your own existence, right? right? Uh So if it was to be proven well, to be 100% true that you were causing suffering to plants by eating them, what would your position be? Starve
6: to death. The, again, humans have to eat plants to, to survive. We, we can't not eat plants. We don't, we don't need to eat meat or dairy. But okay, again, so you're not willing I mean, not to
1: you're not you. willing to uh, kill yourself in order to you know to help the poor no, plants out. No.
6: Okay. No, I'm not.
1: So it's really all about um, you, so isn't I, it?
6: It is all dummy. Okay. But <laughs> it's not all dummy. It, it's really uh, again, uh, it's it's very hard for people who eat meat to have a good argument. You don't need to eat meat. So, or well, you, to you don't need to dairy. eat and,
0: plants either. I mean, you can just sit there and die.
6: Well, no, no, no. No, but, Well, let me, let me just finish. I, I want to get through these points really quick. You can disagree with me if you'd like. Um, another thing is the majority of vegans are women. So if you're a single male and you want to hook up, you're going to have to become a vegan because they <laughs> probably won't want to date you. Okay? Uh, another Let's thing is, is it's a lot it's cheaper true. to eat. They hold on, on hold on, hold
1: on. Johnson is challenging you here. He's saying that's not true. I, I will say this it does seem like, at least on the dating apps, that there's a <laughs> lot of women that are into vegan slash vegetarian. I,
2: I dated a former vegan
1: yes and you converted her yeah
2: (laughs) we now both eat keto and she has lost a significant amount of weight nice because i am diabetic and have to eat keto because a vegan diet is not compatible with me uh to be able to eat anything that i I would have to eat so restrictive it would be ridiculous well that's interesting that she's
1: lost weight when she left veganism oh yeah because
2: veganism is ridiculously unhealthy if you're not eating the right types of foods because it's very easy to eat garbage on a vegan diet because there's so much bread and sugar and gross awful disgusting food.
6: More coming up. Is oral health important to you? If you don't like your own teeth, fresh breath, or kissing people, then by all means, stop listening. Several years ago, I met Jessica Armand, founder and CEO of My Magic Mud, and I became passionate about the product that she created and never want to live without it. It's clinically proven to whiten teeth, but I find it does much more. They want you to love My Magic Mud as much as I do, so they're giving you a money-back guarantee plus 20% off. Go to MyMagicMud.com and use coupon code FTL20 at checkout. MyMagicMud.com FTL20
0: this is free talk live 855-450-3733 are humans just rampaging murdering animals slaughtering and eating other animals or can we go feast in the fields like the cattle with you tonight it's Arya
2: and johnson and ian
0: and let's get right back into this discussion with Vegan. Vegan, are you still with us? I am, yes. Perfect. Uh, you were making a point there before we went out. I would like you to, um, you know, uh, recapsulate the points that you were attempting to convey. Well,
1: generally, I think he's trying to convince folks that uh, no one will be eating meat in, what'd you say, five to ten years?
6: Yeah, I don't, I don't, anywhere from three to ten years, I, I'm thinking.
0: That's really optimistic. Yeah, I would say possibly within the next 500 years we will see that <laughs> certainly within the next thousand but i think i don't, know, I see, it. It. I don't see it happening in, the, in this lifetime i think sure. there will probably still
1: be uh, outliers even yeah. then there's always going to be the pro-meat group i mean there's even going to be shrink. the
2: underground living in the sewers eating the rats <laughs> rat burgers <laughs>
0: So how did you come to Uh, this timeline? What do you see changing in the world today that makes you think in three to ten years, no one will be eating meat or dairy products? uh, Well,
6: I mean, so the biggest thing is going to be nutrition. And and I know uh, one of you was saying that uh, there are uh, unhealthy vegans out there. And yes, there are. There's definitely junk food vegans. Uh, They eat garbage. They eat cookies and donuts and fries. Um, But really, uh, the healthy vegan diet is no oil. Whole food plant based diet, and it's curing people their diseases. It's curing uh, heart disease. It's curing cancer. It's curing um, these statements have not been approved by Alzheimer's. the FDA. <laughs> uh, um, but regardless, it, it's curing diseases, and we have a disease epidemic in this country, and it's starting to go around the world as well. And um, and, and it's also so beneficial for the environment. It's cheaper if you eat a healthy uh, vegan diet uh, than a, a meat diet. I thought oh, that yeah, these healthy I mean,
1: yeah. uh, food diets cost more money. I've seen those organic well, fruit much, prices.
6: No, no, no. Ah, you much, don't have to go organic
2: is, uh, just to be vegan. How much you don't is a True. Pound of
6: rice. Huh? Yeah, but how, how much? How much is a pound of rice? Well, if a, it's a, not
0: uh, organic, then you're killing like bugs and caterpillars <laughs> and stuff, right? <laughs> yep.
6: Well, and I hate to say vegan. I called in and said vegan. I'm actually not vegan. I'm 100% whole plant, whole food, plant based. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a hardcore vegan that's against killing bugs whatever. So have nah, you heard of or have or you heard of
2: it. nutritarianism? I have not.
6: I, I I I think I've run across that term. There's a doctor I think uh, Joel like
2: Furman. Cat. What is it? Uh,
6: it's yeah, a, and so I like
2: it's a essentially, now it doesn't require veganism, but it's essentially for the most part, an almost vegan uh, diet where the whole goal of the diet is to consider uh, the nutritional value of the food. In other words, how many vitamins and how many uh, phytonutrients and, uh, you know, macronutrients are in the food uh, uh, versus uh, and, and the satiety of the food too, uh, versus the amount of calories. So essentially you want to get the most nutrient dense food for the calorie and then bump that up so that's the primary food that you're eating. So um, it would be greens, onions, mushrooms, berries, seeds, nuts, and uh, like a little bit of fruit as well and not not you know things like bread or you know uh, too much meat or dairy or any of that. Well, I did that diet for a while and it's supposed to be a diet that melt weight, you know, weight melts off of you. I gained weight on wow. it. Wow. Like, so so like weight. everybody's different, right? Everybody's different and I my body is super geared to take the sugar out of anything. So mm. carbohydrates of any type and that diet is heavy on beans and I you know, just turn beans into sugar, you know? Which mm. <laughs> just just how I work, unfortunately. So um yeah, not all these, you know, this stuff is not everybody is the same. Yeah, there's know? not
1: one solution for, uh, for everybody out there. But you truly believe, Mr. Uh, vegan, that, uh, that everybody's going to go in this direction.
0: As long as yeah, they choose I, to I do guess. that, I don't care. I, I, want, I have choice, to interject yeah. quickly. Um, as long as they don't do this to their pets. Okay. The people out there making oh, their cats and their God. dogs vegans need to burn in hell for eternity.
6: Well, dogs are actually omnivores. No. so They can actually eat a. You will a kill
0: arena. your dog, dude. You will kill your dog. You will make it miserable, unhappy, and it will lose its hair. It will die in Jeez. misery.
6: Well, I'm, and I haven't researched. I don't know if there's any essential amino acids they need from meat. Uh, humans don't get any essential amino acids from meat. So um, all my research says we're herbivores.
0: Humans and dogs that, uh, are different species. Well, I'm going to tell you right and, now. And I mean,
2: and, and you, if you're if you're really caring about the you know the 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 life of the dog, you know, just put a steak and a pile of vegetables in a room and let the dog make the decision, <laughs> and then you'll find out what its diet is, right? Because you'll naturally <laughs> really? be giving it the choice. I love it.
6: And really, really quick, I just want to let you know, I, I think that the world is going to go vegan, and I think Ridiculous. the result of this is you're going to see drug companies. Uh, losing tons of money as people are getting healthy, and the medical industry is going to be uh, become yeah. uh, lose Oh, uh, lot. Well, I, I just don't I think understand. You're what out means, of your mind, because yeah,
2: you're, You know your your snack cakes aren't going anywhere, and right. neither <laughs> are your you know your uh, nacho fries. Is this and this your, is a
1: man who's never worked in uh, restaurants, fast food, grocery stores. Has never observed what people buy and what well, people eat. I mean, come on, man, you don't know what well, you're talking about.
6: If, but if you look at if you look at Europe. Uh, veganism is booming there. They have—they're uh, uh, saying seventy-five million vegans there now. It's social is it, booming there as well.
0: Is nothing. They'll starve one way or another.
1: Seventy-five sure. million is nothing.
6: But it—I'm but it, just letting you know. I think it's booming, and I think it's a great industry to get into, regardless of whether you're vegan or not. I think it's a great industry to invest in. All right. that's all I'm
2: saying. I um, definitely agree with that.
1: Thank you for the call tonight. Well, that Beyond Burger thing blew up. I mean, their stock oh, went crazy.
2: I mean, but there's no doubt
1: that they're that the vegan slash vegetarian products are better now than they've been in the past. Yeah, they're going to become more competitive. Um, you know, the Beyond and the Impossible companies, whoever those people are, obviously they want to make their products more efficient. They want to bring the price down. They want. The, I mean, sure, they surely they want their burgers to be the same price or cheaper. Uh, than the meat version and if you can make a a vegetarian burger that is competitively tasty and competitively priced then you will start to gain converts whether or not you're going to convert everybody come on everybody's never going to do the thing you want them to do ever they're never going to become libertarians they're never going to become you know vegetarians (laughs) or whatever it is you want everybody to do life just doesn't work that way
2: and here's the easy libertarian answer to this right why why is there such a huge difference between america and europe right it's the government, stupid. It always is. So mm. what has happened? So the government in the United States has subsidi- subsidized, first of all, dairy, but also corn and potatoes are the most massively subsidized vegetable. And what has happened? Oh, we've, we turn all these things right that are subsidized by the government into sugar. And the difference between what has happened in Europe, Europe eats tons of meat, tons of bread, tons of cheese, right? All Mm. things that should be making them huge. What's the difference? The difference is in the United States, and this is just so flatly just obvious if you look into it at all, there is sugar added to everything. Everything. Things that you wouldn't think should have sugar in them. Sriracha, ketchup. You know, those Mm. are obvious, you know, obviously have sugar. Every, like, pick up almost any salad dressing. Mm -hmm. You want to eat healthy and be a vegan? Pick up your salad dressing, because your salad dressing is probably loaded with sugar. (laughs) You know? Oh, you're going to have a soup, right? It's nice, salty, delicious soup. Oh, they probably added sugar. Why? Because salt and sugar together with a combination of a little bit of fat is addictive. So everything is loaded with sugar in this country. Like, loaded with it.
0: And I mean, it, that would be a sensible reason that the rates of obesity and diabetes have increased as they have throughout the last several decades. You and know, it's people... a
1: reason why nobody's going to give up on uh, ice cream anytime soon. Yeah. yeah,
0: I love burgers. If they have salt and sugar in them and the fat and it's making me addicted to them, that's fine. I enjoy
1: it. <laughs> right. What's wrong with a good, juicy hamburger followed by a nice ice cream cone? I mean, those are two of the best things
2: in life. Uh, I, I think, though, that when you're aware of it, there's a huge difference of when it's a product that you wouldn't think is it's going to be in that mm. they're adding sugar to secretively. Right. But
1: he was saying dairy's going to go away, too. Oh, like, right. Not yeah. just saying meat was going to go away, but also dairy's going to go in that. You know, OK, well, I don't know what vegan ice cream tastes like, but I bet you
0: <laughs> I don't want it. actually know. it's delicious. <laughs> All right. I'll believe it when I try it. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. 3733 What do you think about vegan ice cream? This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Johnson. And Ian. And I think we're going to get back into the luxury beliefs later, right? I would say veganism is absolutely a luxury belief, so yeah. absolutely. I was going to suggest that it,
1: that it was, but then again, if the prices keep coming down of these products, it will no longer be a luxury belief.
0: Well, the, right. what makes it a luxury belief, as this author has characterized them, is that the upper class will talk about how great, you know, veganism is, but they while themselves continuing, won't do it. Right. I see. So, what's going on with my magic mud? So, my magic mud. You want to talk about
1: an affordable, healthy alternative to, uh, you know, these chemical toothpastes and such? It's a black tooth powder. And it's made of charcoalized coconut shells and bentonite clay. It's clinically proven to whiten teeth. This is their original product, is the tooth powder, but they've since come out with toothpaste and mouthwash. All natural products available at most health food stores, by the way. Uh, Sprouts, CVS, natural grocers, and even Walmart's natural beauty aisle. And you know when you've made it to Walmart, you've made the big time. Uh, So kudos to the folks over at My Magic Mud. They've done a great job. It's a great product, and they're liberty-minded folks who are behind the company as well. So go to MyMagicMud.com. You don't need to go to the store because you can get it for 20% off with code FTL20. That's FTL like Free Talk Live. FTL20 for 20% off at MyMagicMud.com.
7: Awesome.
0: Well, let's get right back into the phones. We've got Bad Slave calling in. Bad Slave, you're on Free Talk Live.
7: Well, thank you, sir. And, uh, and ma'am no problem question what's on your I, mind I, um, I I know someone they the, the guy uh, on the previous segment about veganism said that that people can't survive on meat alone or you know he said they, they
1: can't survive without eating uh, plants I think is what he plants
7: said. right yeah. well they're
1: which is a family
7: and they're they're famous, the the Petersons, the Michaela and and, and Jordan Peterson are on. Uh, I know Michaela is on straight beef diet, and uh, and I I don't know that uh, that Jordan her her father is actually uh, taking more than just beef, but um, she she had to use an elimination diet to find out what she could eat when she was younger. She's a very, very intelligent person just like uh, uh, Jordan Peterson. And I
0: don't uh, know if I agree with your characterization of Jordan Peterson as very intelligent. Well, I, don't I, do any, I don't know, know, know anything I, about you're
1: him.
7: You're not listening to him very much if you don't think he's intelligent. So That's you know, true. I to, tend to, to avoid people who I don't
1: think are intelligent. So what about this guy's family? I'm sorry, I missed what, what you were well, saying. The, the
7: they only is eat is meat. Found out that their health was dependent on them eating meat huh. exclusively. Now, and, aren't there uh,
1: diets? I mean, Johnson, you've studied a lot of these diets. Aren't there mm-hmm. these diets where they specifically eat a bunch of meat, like yep. bacon and whatever else? I mean, this
2: is—I mean, this what's that is true of of keto. a carnivorous diet. Or that's keto. keto. There's a ketogenic diet that's that's mostly, uh, you know, where you're you're consuming less than you know, under 100, under 50, under 20 carbs a day, depending on the level at which you're, you're you're eating at. Is that like the old Atkins mm-hmm. diet? Um, Atkins is much more lenient than keto is, okay. actually. Keto is, is really... Keto... Uh, Atkins would be considered like a low-carb diet, maybe in a higher protein level. Uh, keto is specifically a high-fat diet. Hmm. Like, specifically eating a lot of fat, along with, you know, fair amounts of protein and severely limiting car- carb intake
7: um the uh, woman uh, Michaela uh she's she just had a baby a healthy baby and I don't know if uh, if the baby's yet on meat only but uh I would but, imagine not well you know I'm I she I, I would imagine she's uh feeding breastfeeding them so indirectly maybe meat only and uh I you know her experience I you know i I listened to a couple of her uh, videos and uh, she had an amazing discovery experience after having very, you know, just depression and and terrible health. And uh, she had she had rheumatoid arthritis or something. She had joints replaced as a teenager. Jeez. Uh, you know, so there was definitely a health problem, mm-hmm. and that health problem, according to her, and she looks good now, is 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 gone away. And she eats a hundred percent beef. She she doesn't even put salt and pepper on it. I don't think that's gross. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, whatever it is, I mean, it works. I mean, so, if that's I mean, what, she,
1: if she thinks if, that's what helped her, then that's great.
0: Sure. Well, uh, there's a lot it. to be said about the placebo effect anyway. Yeah, but so that's true. Her did solution, did what she eats. I mean, she, she'll just basically take a slab of ground beef, fry it up and eat it.
7: This is what this I, woman does. I don't know how she prepares it. Maybe she eats it raw. Some people eat the stuff raw. That's the, <laughs> the fact is, is that uh, that she did a full elimination diet. And, you know, everything that she was eating, she took it away And saw what happened. And then she would, you know, put it back and eventually got down to where she could eat beef. And she was, you know, more than fantastic. So,
1: what about you, uh, Bad Slave? Are you going to go one direction or the other? Are you going to go all vegetarian, vegan? Are you going to go all beef or do you like variety?
7: I've been omnivorous all my life and I don't see any reason why I shouldn't stay there. I'm leaning away from carbs. I've almost eliminated, you know, bread and and wheat from Has my diet. Helped?
1: Has it helped? Has uh, helped you lose weight? Oh yeah. Weight?
7: No, I, 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 you know, during you know, like a couple decades ago, I, uh, I, I, I was so uh, handicapped uh, by by inflammation in my hips that I that I couldn't walk, and uh, and now I can I can get around. I, I ride my bicycle, and even though it's electric bike, I still have to pump the pedals go up hills. And, and cool, I, man. you know, I use the pedals. I'm Glad that's working out. out for you. Yeah, no, I, it made a huge difference, and uh, you know, I lost some weight, and uh, you know, they put me on a low carb diet when I was in jail, and, uh, and
1: I actually gained weight when I was in jail. Thanks for the call tonight. <laughs> Appreciate it.
7: I I am
0: fortunate in that I can eat whatever I want and mm-hmm. not gain weight. So the whole dieting thing is fascinating to me because it's also true that what works for one person isn't necessarily going to work for another. I would not dare to suggest that most people could spend a month and a half living almost entirely off Burger King and not gain a pound like I once did.
8: Mm.
2: But it happened to me. That- I actually, uh, when I first... So a long time ago, I was a lot heavier than I am now, and I had lost a considerable amount of weight eating actually largely at Burger King, um, but burger salads essentially so hmm. i would get and i wouldn't have any dressing because the dressing has sugar in it right it's loaded with sugar there's all these hidden sugars and things so i would get uh, a burger with mayonnaise and uh just on a bed of lettuce and you know occasionally you know maybe some kind of vinegar or like a lemon or something like that but uh essentially i was having burger salads for the longest time and that was a good way of losing weight as well but I I think it also depends on, you know, besides just what you're eating and how much you're eating, but it also depends on your level of physical activity too. You know, like, are you doing a lot of walking? Are you doing a lot of running all the time? Well, then you're going to have, be able to have more calories, you know, as your job is sitting in front of a computer screen all day and then you don't do anything else. You're not, you have to limit yourself to something for sure. (laughs)
0: So veganism may, in fact, be a luxury belief to get back into that. (laughs) It it would seem to me that it is uh, because I don't at the moment, at least veganism isn't cost effective for the lower class, for the poor. You know, regardless of what the caller earlier said, I know from experience that just eating vegetarian is more more expensive. expensive. So I can't imagine how much more expensive it is to find a belt that isn't made out of leather, to find shoes
2: that don't contain leather. I don't know if I agree with that, because you could, I mean, easily, you know, rice and beans, you know, rice, beans, maybe some basic stuff like bananas, something like that. You can get a
0: whole lot of that stuff. But those are not healthy vegan diets.
2: Yeah, true. I guess that's true. Uh, I'm just sort of saying, I guess there's some staples that you could supplement with. To add on top of the expensive vegetables. Meat is really pricey still. Um, you know, to I get mean, if we were gonna go that far, you could just eat nothing but rice all day every day. And <laughs> well, technically yeah. you'd be vegan, right? It's true, right?
0: <laughs> it takes a little more than just actually caloric consumption right. to not you know die of malnutrition. Mm. More to talk about on this subject and other awesome subjects. Apparently the US and Russia are in sort of a hot headed match about who has the best missiles We'll be back with those stories in just.
8: Business owners. You want more customers? Accept cryptocurrencies. I know, you think it's nuts. But listen, people with Bitcoin walk past your store every day. Wouldn't you like it if they came in and bought something? Trust me, they want to. If you've ever talked with a friend or family member who has some Bitcoin, you know this. But how do you take Bitcoin? Is there like a free app you can use? Uh, yes. Go to HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com. HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com adds Bitcoin to your point of sale totally free. There's nothing new to buy. Use the same equipment you already have. Now with Bitcoin. Let's you take other cryptocurrencies too. These things are like sports teams. Everyone's got their favorite and you can take all the good ones. And unlike credit cards, you pay no fees. Let the guys at HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com bring new customers into your store. HelpMeTakeBitcoin.com. take Bitcoin.com.
0: This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. Take control of the airwaves and talk about whatever is on your mind. Toll free numbers 855 450 3733. With you tonight, it's Aria and Johnson and Ian. So let's get back into this story about luxury beliefs and this, artist, this author making the statement that the upper classes of society. At least here in the West, what we're seeing is that they propagate these ideas that they don't actually follow themselves, while following these ideas is what distinguishes the upper class from the lower class. Maybe not distinguishes, That that's an unfair characterization of what he said, but he's saying it's destructive to follow these practices that are being put forward by the upper class, and it's not following these And they're hypocrites
1: because they talk about these ideas, but they don't actually put them into Mm. practice.
2: Right. So uh, going on uh, here, he said uh, one of the things just to recap, he's like another luxury belief is that religion is irrational or harmful. Members of the upper class are most likely to be atheists or non-religious, but they have the resources and access to thrive without the unifying social edifice of religion. Places of worship are often essential for the social fabric of poor communities. Denigrating the importance of religions harms the poor. While affluent people find, often find meaning in their work, most Americans do not have the luxury of a profession. They have jobs. They clock in, they clock out. Without a family or community care for, such a job can feel meaningless. Then there's the luxury belief that individual decisions don't matter much compared to random social forces, including luck. This belief is more common among many of my peers at Yale and Cambridge than the kids I grew up with in foster care or the women and men I served with in the military. The key message is that the outcomes of your life are beyond your control. The idea works to the benefit of the upper class and harms ordinary people. But he suggests that...
0: Only the upper-class people believe that in the first place, and that people who are from lower-class backgrounds tend to believe that it's more about hard work than
2: random luck. Um, he says, this belief is more common among many of my peers at Yale and Cambridge. Well, remember, this is them, what they're saying that they believe in. I don't know that... Uh, well, I think is... that's that would just be humility, Right. Do you think upper class people
1: tend to believe that it was just luck that got them there?
2: Um, I don't. I don't think so. No. That's, that's what they he's tend saying. to say. That Do is they? he saying that, I or is know. he saying that the belief is being stated as more common amongst his friends? I'm not really sure the, the way he's phrased this particular one. Um, he says, uh, "Then the kids he grew up with in foster care, or the women and men I serve with in the military."
0: Either way, it's um, luck may or may not even be a thing that exists but hard work is certainly
2: beneficial to an individual and i would say that a lot of people like so you think about this right on the left you know people who are wealthy they're like you know you didn't build that Mm -hmm. you you know it's not in your control you didn't uh, hard work you know it is becoming (laughs) it is becoming right a common awesome (laughs) a, a common belief now right of uh the uh Elites that it's this you know hard work doesn't do anything right isn't it? I mean I but think that's, that's true on the right as
0: well I mean keep in mind I'm from Mississippi which is extremely religious and I've seen people family members post about oh I did all of this and all this I'm so grateful that God gave me this job God didn't get right. you that job and what they're doing there is pointing to an external force over which they have no control mm-hmm. rather than claiming credit for. You know, being rewarded for their hard work. Like you made the luck,
1: yeah. right? Like right. you go out there and you do the work, and you create opportunities, or opportunities come up based on the things that you've done. Yeah, you
2: know. And you see the way you bring that up is, is again why I don't necessarily agree with this this article on its face because I've seen this before, right? And especially with you know, obviously when you say f- you've seen this before, what do you this mean? this type of it like manipulative uh, belief? Um, so. One of the places, not to bring up uh, this, but one of the places that this has been very loudly professed recently that I've heard, one of the people I've heard most loudly professing this kind of a belief system is Christopher Cantwell. (laughs) right so uh you know and it, it may is- or
1: may
0: not have a thing for trans people it's unclear <laughs> hold on
1: now, let me see if i'm gonna uh, let me let me guess at what you're gonna say here about cantwell former host here on free talk live for listeners that don't know he kind of made a name for himself recently in recent years by becoming a nazi which is you know one of the reasons why we got rid of him because he turned out to be a racist um but uh, cantwell are you gonna say holds the belief that drugs are bad but also does drugs
2: yeah, of course. Well, okay. that that's that would be an ex- kind of an example of a luxury belief. But Cantwell is also somebody who's like trying to say that uh, the elites are trying to destroy the uh, the social stru- structure of uh, the country. There, right? So they're uh, they're but he's uh, trying not to married. say he doesn't have a white wife. He doesn't have any white children, right? <laughs> but no, he has no children. But he is also yeah. So it is. It's funny. It's almost. The exact thing that this article is saying is what Cantwell is saying in the form of a luxury belief, right? <laughs> like it, it's kind of interesting because, um, yeah, I mean that this whole like oh it's only the elite are trying to destroy family structure, the elite are trying to destroy religion, and the you know the, there's a culture war, and you know it's like it's just this to me just sounds like a new tactic to try and. And reintroduce some very old arguments that have been being made for a very long time. And I think of like, you know, I think of people like Rush Limbaugh and Bill O'Reilly. There is a war on religion. There's a war on. It's like, yeah, really? Is that, you know, like, OK, you know, this is just a new angle on that same kind of thing and saying it's the elites. It's now it's the elites that are doing this. It's just but OK, so. I still find it really interesting, and I don't totally disagree with everything that's happening here or that's being said here. I think it's also interesting, this whole view of luck and, uh, you know, religion and, you know, those are common beliefs amongst a lot of successful people because they're also common beliefs amongst a lot of intelligent people. Right. To not believe in luck and not believe in, you know, and to believe in hard work and to believe means that you're going to make decisions with your life that are rational Mm. and focused, and you're not going to go out and, say, for example, buy a lottery ticket. One of the most, least, like, it's the dumbest possible economic decision that you can make. It is, and
0: it's heartbreaking to see people do
2: it every single day. Many of
1: whom are not particularly well off.
2: Right, exactly. And so they just, "Ah, you know, and so you know these types of beliefs the beliefs that you're you're you know work hard and you're you're not going to uh focus on luck you're going to focus on making opportunities for yourself there those aren't beliefs that are being preached because they harm the poor um that makes no sense uh they're they're you know the people wealthy people believe these things because that's one of the re- that's the way they got there it's not because there's some intent to uh, harm people now I will say that i don 't totally discount this because I think that there is also a possibility that there are there is a class a, a generation of people who did get wealthy through hard work through believing that religion is bad, believing that uh you know hard work over luck and, and some of the other views that this guy covered in terms of thinking you know family the family values or the family is that that you know, believing in kind of like libertarian beliefs on top of some of this other stuff but that the message wasn't passed on in a complete way and that there are plenty of people out there who like to parrot beliefs and will parrot things without even really understanding the meaning behind them. It's the rise of socialism in the West. Yeah, so I think that there are plenty of people out there that might be parroting things and not actually practicing what they're parroting. And that does not necessarily mean that there's this intent like this luxury belief privilege that's being preached i don't i don't know but
0: if there isn't then how did that idea make its way to these people parroting it in the first place
2: well uh, so let me let me finish this article out here let's let me uh keep like continue on because there's a little bit more here let's hold off on
0: that for when we get back because it digs into everyone's favorite luxury belief (laughs) white privilege yeah should be Mm. interesting Bunch of white people are about to sit around and talk about (laughs) white privilege. You do not want to miss it. 855-450-3733. Let us know what you think. Again, that's 855-450-FREE, as in Free Talk Live, This is Free Talk Live. Talk about whatever is on your mind. Give us a call at 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Johnson. And Ian. And I want to tell you about the Edge Wallet. It's the Edge Wallet I use personally because I've gotten sick of copying down 24-word passphrases, 12-word, 14-words, it, and trying to restore wallets across new phones, new tablets, my PC. It's just cumbersome. And unwieldy, and it's just generally unpleasant. Well, then comes along the Edge Wallet. They made which it easy. They did. It allows you to continue controlling your funds while accessing your wallet via a username and a password. Obviously, not a simple one, but one that you will remember much more easily than you would twenty-four freaking words. So I I'd write a, it
1: down anyway, just to be, cave- just absolutely. To be safe. Absolutely safe.
0: At one point I ended up with a text document full of like six different sets of right. twenty-four word passphrases. I was like, I don't know which one which of one these. Is which Yeah. It just became a complete nightmare. So check it out. It's available for both iOS and, and you're a Android. tech person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it was and it was still unwieldy.
1: Imagine how confusing that is for somebody who's brand new to cryptocurrency.
0: Oh, yeah. Excellent mm-hmm. point. The Edge Wallet simplifies all of that. In yeah. addition, you can using one installation have multiple sets of wallet like we're planning Ladies Night Out for ForkFest in 2020 so we have a Ladies Night Out wallet in Edge Mm -hmm. so with the click of a button I can flip back and forth between my wallet and this wallet that we're all sharing it's incredibly convenient you can't do that with Coinami or even the Bitcoin.com wallet great though it is doesn't have that feature and it's all done with a username and password so go get it that's edge.app if you would like to check it out. It's the best wallet available for mobile devices. Yeah, it's the one I use more than any other. Absolutely. Likewise. So, as promised, we're going to talk now about white privilege. What does this author have to say about it? Sure.
2: So, you know, after the the author kind of covers this thing about, uh, you know, talking about the key message of, uh, you know, one of these luxury beliefs being that, uh, you know, it's luck over hard work. Uh, He quickly goes on to say that um, it's common to see students at prestigious universities work ceaselessly. I cannot speak. Ceaselessly. Prestigious universities work ceaselessly and then downplay the importance of tenacity. They perform an awe shucks routine to suggest that they just got lucky rather than accept credit for their efforts. This message is damaging. If disadvantaged people believe random chance is the key factor for their success, they will be less likely to strive. Now,
1: he kind of also makes this all sound like some sort of a devious plot. That uh, that all of these luxury beliefs right. that are held by wealthy uh, people are somehow a plot to keep poor people down.
2: Right. Well, he. I mean, and this I think is, is part of maybe this white privilege thing. I don't know. He goes on here to say, white privilege is the luxury belief that took me the longest to understand. Because I grew up around poor whites. Often, members of the upper class claim that racial disparities stem from inherent advantages held by whites. Yet, Asian Americans are more educated, have higher earnings, and live longer than whites.
0: I don't think that's an accurate assessment of the white privilege position. I would say they believe the disparities stem from inherited advantages held by whites, but not necessarily inherent. Because that's just... That's just racist. It's white supremacy by a different name. Mm. Um, To say, oh, well, whites have these inherent advantages. That's a simple white supremacy. There
2: may be members of the upper class who are racist in that way. I I have no doubt
0: there are. Sure.
2: Yeah. Um, We made one president. (laughs) So he goes on to say. I didn't do that. I didn't either. (laughs) Neither did I. But uh, he goes on to say. Yet Asian Americans are more educated, have higher earnings, live longer than whites, affluent whites who are the most enthusiastic about the idea of white privilege, yet they are the least likely to incur any costs for promoting that belief. Rather, they believe their social standing uh, – sorry, rather they raise their social standing by talking about their privilege. And I – this one is one of the ones that I have a hardest time arguing with too because i do feel like that is going on a lot
1: yeah i think that's that's true it's that they're
2: like oh white privilege is horrible i'm so, so bad much white privilege you know that they're really Just
1: publicly shaming themselves right, over right they're then, really
2: trying to actually raise their own status
1: <laughs> mm.
6: yeah i it's, think it's
0: mostly insidious it's a new version of manifest destiny it's the white savior complex that has been existent in some portion of the white population going back since the I don't know when
2: virtue signaling—that's yeah. the word. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's and the I, same thing that motivated Andrew Jackson to say, "Oh, we have to go and educate these people of the Philippines, manifest destiny, all of that kind of nonsense." Yeah, it's oh, well, the black people—they can't lift themselves up out of poverty. Yeah, they need
2: us. Yeah. yeah, and then it's nonsense. And then that's the most harmful possible thing that can happen is is not uh, fostering work and just trying to poorly managed charity so uh he says here in other words upper class whites gain status by talking about their high status when laws are enacted to combat white privilege it won't be the privileged whites who are harmed poor whites will bear the brunt
1: well first of all i don't know what he's got in mind for laws to combat white privilege but that sounds pretty scary it it
0: does Yeah. yeah Well, I I would be interested to know what sort of examples he has in
2: mind. He doesn't list any. Probably, I would guess, uh, um, things like affirmative action. Mm -hmm. Reverse racism. Yeah. Reverse racism type laws. Um, He says, it's possible that affluent whites don't always agree with their own luxury beliefs or at least have doubts. Maybe they don't like the ideological fur coat that they're wearing. But if their peers punish them for not sporting it all over town, they will never leave the house without it again. Because, like with diamond rings or designer clothes of old, upper-class people don a luxury belief to separate themselves from the lower class. These beliefs, in turn, produce real, tangible consequences for disadvantaged people, further widening the divide. Just as fashionable clothing will soon be outdated, so will today's fashionable beliefs. In the future, expect the upper class to defame even more values, including ones that they hold dear, in their quest to gain top dog status. Now, so, I, so It's an interesting theory. I want to say this. Though. So Rob Henderson, right, is Rob K. Henderson, who served in the Air Force, is a PhD candidate at the University of Cambridge, is what the article ends with. Yeah.
1: He mentions going to Ivy League yeah. school.
2: So I thought it was interesting because he also earlier said that he was adopted. So, uh, I just was like, okay, so I want to find out what is this. So, he's a PhD candidate for psychology. He's a psychologist. So, I, I looked into this because I was like, mm. this is a really interesting story and it's talking about phys- philosophical beliefs. It's in the New York Post. This is a rare incidence of somebody who's a little different. So, I wanted to see like a little bit more information. So, I'm like, what well, what other stories has Rob K. Henderson written for the New York Post? Mm. Nothing. He's never really? written for the New York Post before. This is his first story, and it's really good. So I was like, okay, so who is this guy then? So I look up, apparently, he's former writer for the New York Times, uh-huh. and I went to read, and what do you think this guy's background is, besides just the-, the He's know, the a Japanese. lefty. Well, no, actually. He's conservative, He's and he really? talks about coming to conservatism because- the he went through the foster care system from through multiple different people, who parts of his name all come from people who have all abandoned him. Oh wow! And uh, you know he became a conservative. So this is like a, he's he's basically espousing this in the same exact way that Campbell would be espousing this. These type of of beliefs. So I just thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, yeah, weird history.
3: White privilege is it real? Eight five five four five zero. Do you have a crypto wealth advisor or coach? If so, has your cryptocurrency advisor been investing in technology stocks for over 20 years? Have they left the corporate world and retired? Or are they still trying to make a weekly paycheck? Have they produced six figure results for their customers in the past 30 days? And very importantly, are they a member of the Digital Currency Council? Seth Maniscalco is the founder of Crypto Wealth Coach and CryptoWealthCoach.com. Seth invested in his first broth IRA at 19 years old while living abroad and has been investing in Wall Street and technology for over 20 years. Years with experience in all the money markets, by comparison, so many of these so-called crypto gurus have barely been alive for 20 years. Seth has not only experienced personal success from his own investments in crypto, he has also helped his clients earn six and seven figure incomes, including helping investors make over three quarters of a million dollars in EOS in 90 days and 1,225% in only five and a half months with Chainlink. Seth has helped for the small do-it-yourself guy on up to crypto whales. Increase your wealth. Visit CryptoWealthCoach.com.
0: This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. You can talk about whatever is on your mind by using the toll-free number at 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Johnson. And Ian. You know, and for years, libertarians of all stripes have wanted a directory of liberty-minded businesses, places where they can go to find people in their area who are doing liberty-oriented things. Well, we finally have one. It's Liberty.menu. At its core is a directory for events, businesses, and digital content, and all sorts of other awesome things. Listings can be rated and reviewed, and there's a bit of a social network to it, so that you can connect and share with others. But, however, you needn't be aware that use of Liberty.menu is exclusively for individuals who reject the initiation of force and those who abide by the ethics of the non-aggression principle. So go put your voluntarist ideas into action at liberty.menu and use the code FTL to get a special badge because it's not a coupon code or anything like that. There's no cost associated with liberty.menu, but you do get an awesome little badge. So use the code FTL at liberty.menu. So mass shooters are a problem, at least so we're told. (laughs) It's unclear whether or not police actually kill more people than these random mass shooters. Actually, it's not unclear. Police kill way more people. But Mm -hmm. putting that aside, Trump's solution, it would seem, according to Reason.com. I've got the story here. And Ian, you have it in front of you, is that you know we just need to involuntarily confine people against their will.
1: Yeah, Johnson brought this one in uh, last week. He just didn't get a chance to get Mm -hmm. to it. And it is an important uh, issue because involuntary psychiatric treatment is a thing and uh you know basically anybody who wants to can have you committed i mean it's already something that's not that hard to do uh, is it
2: everywhere i mean that's the, that was the case in florida
1: Yeah, it's everywhere in florida they they're called different things so in florida right. it was called the baker
0: act right
1: um that is not what it's called here I, I couldn't tell you what it's called in in new hampshire but it's you know rsa something or other i, I suspect <laughs>
0: But it's essentially a law that allows people to go to the police department, I imagine, and say, hey, this person's a, a threat danger to themselves. to themselves or others. And you can be. And then be, they will
1: put you in a uh, crazy ward for up to 72 hours.
0: This is appalling.
1: It, this is the way things are. And so Trump apparently is proposing that that be made easier because it seems pretty damn easy right now. <laughs> Here's the story from Reason.com's Jacob Sulem. The old NRA slogan says, "Don't guns don't kill people, people kill people. Yesterday, while responding to the mass shootings that killed 22 people in El Paso and nine in Dayton over the weekend, Donald Trump offered a dubious variation on that theme. Quote, mental illness and hatred pulls the trigger, not the gun, he said. Although the president's speech was scripted, that line was illogical as well as ungrammatical. For one thing, I've never heard anyone claim that the gun pulls the trigger. There's and,
0: no need for the author here to nitpick that. I think everybody understood what Trump meant. And I'm not
1: sure, he says, how that would work in a non-cartoon universe. For another, it's plainly not true that, quote, mental illness and hatred, unquote, pull the trigger. Or do anything else for that matter. We should not lose sight of the fact that mass murder is volitional behavior. As tempting as it may be to speculate about the killer's motives, or mental state, the president offered two theories. Quote, we must reform our mental health laws to better identify mentally disturbed individuals who may commit acts of violence and make sure those people not only get treatment, but when necessary, involuntary
0: confinement. So this is essentially the government having the power to point its finger at someone and say, You're crazy. You're crazy. Off to Lock you up. the psychiatric ward you go. Right until we decide we want to release you
1: yeah and you know how do they determine whether somebody is quote mentally disturbed what is considered to be mentally disturbed uh, johnson off the air, you were pointing out that you know we might get rounded up as libertarians
2: <laughs> for being oppositionally defiant
1: which is a thing that they've put in the uh what the d you, you have a problem with authority son but they put this in that book. That book with all the diseases or whatever. Oh, DSM, yeah, yeah.
0: Homosexuality is that in there in too?
1: There. Oh, they took it out.
0: Uh, yeah, it oh. was in there in like the fifties. It was you could be involuntarily confined for being homosexual. It continued right. with being trans until like the eighties or the mid nineties. So
1: you know, anybody that's cheering this on, if there are Republicans who are cheering this on, they should probably be very, very concerned because if you give the government. Or if the government takes this level of power um, over making it easier to involuntarily commit somebody then it's only a matter of time before it's used against you absolutely you know
0: but i mean see they're picturing it used to own the libtards right, right. Get they're those going socialists. Oh, yeah. yeah liberalism is a mental illness is what they love to say okay well let's pass a law allowing us to point our finger at somebody and call them mentally That's ill
1: just what we need is re-education <laughs> camps ...in the United States, because that's what we'd we'd be talking about. Oh, well,
0: he's Trump. We would have the best education
1: counts. (laughs) (laughs) So Trump also decried the, quote, racist hate that seems to have inspired the El Paso shooter. In practice, those two explanations may be hard to disentangle. Quote, these are sick people, said Trump's chief of staff, Nick Mulvaney, on ABC News recently. He added that referring to the El Paso shooter, quote, you cannot be a white supremacist and be normal in the head. Unquote. Mulvaney thereby demonstrated the malleability of psychiatric diagnoses, diagnoses and the danger of letting them determine who shall be free and who shall be subject
0: to involuntary commitment. Well, Under- what is normal? You know, I don't think it's normal in the head to be a white supremacist. I don't think it's necessarily dangerously insane. But normal to my experience? Certainly no, not.
1: It's abnormal for sure. Being trans, equally abnormal but i don't think people who are abnormal
0: should be locked in a crazy ward i agree entirely i think that using those words in this context of you know oh well he's mentally ill because they're different that's ultimately all it is is the government having the power to point at people and say you're different no no we're going to kill you then which no no it's re-education camp they're not going to kill you right away if you resist the re-education then they'll kill you yeah yeah that's true
1: I mean, this is uh, what the Chinese government's doing right now to the Uyghurs, the Muslims in northwest China. Mulvaney uh, demonstrated the malleability of psychiatric diagnosis and the danger of letting them determine who shall be free and who shall be subjected to involuntary confinement. Under current law, shaped by civil libertarian concerns about that danger, states generally have to show by, quote, clear and convincing evidence, unquote, that a candidate for commitment because of mental illness poses a danger to himself or others.
0: This would be after the mandatory 24 to 72 hour Right. observation after
1: period. the 72 correct so Cynthia. just on the say so of somebody else you can be involuntarily committed for up to 72 hours and they
2: take all your guns and your right to defend yourself away from yourself
1: well they take you and put you in a crazy ward for sure right. and then you're saying maybe after the fact they would they would right. do
0: that well certainly
2: during that time because you're in yeah. the crazy ward for sure. well they
0: definitely would with the rise of what they want you know the red flag laws right. which is just the accusation yeah, being I, th- a threat. I think that in order to
1: take your guns, they'd probably have to have a court hearing in that case, Johnson, like permanent, like permanently to take your yeah. guns. Uh, but to keep you in the crazy ward after 72 hours, they generally have to go in front of a judge and then make their argument to prove their case that you mm-hmm. are a danger to yourself or others. And well, so that's part of what the 72 California. hours is for is, is for observing mm-hmm. your behavior. And that's right. sorry, go ahead.
0: Well, in California, we see something very similar, where if you're charged with any sort of domestic violence, whether you're guilty or not, if your wife simply says you hit her, you receive a letter saying that you have 24 hours to sell every single weapon in your possession. Wow. And you have to present that to the court. You have to present the receipt showing that you sold it simply by the accusation. That's crazy. Get,
1: Get, and that's out, of going, Get yeah. out of California. Get out of California.
0: And essentially what they're arguing here is that this should be broader, not simply including domestic violence in California, but anything the government says is a danger. Yeah.
1: A belief in white supremacy or any other abhorrent ideology is not enough to meet the test of posing a danger to yourself or others, even though it might occasionally motivate murderous violence. The risks of going down that road should be obvious to anyone who values freedom of conscience and freedom of speech. There's more.
0: I don't know if I would want to agree. as if like and there's probably a pretty strong connection between abhorrent ideology and it going down a road leading to murderous violence. There are connections. I don't know how blatant they are or how definitive they are. It could be possible there are peaceful white supremacists. I would say most of them are, by the evidence. 855-450-3733, 855-450-free is in freedom. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. If you call quickly, you can still get in on the air with us. Give us a call at 855-450-3733. With you tonight is Aria. And Johnson. And Ian. And we've been talking about uh, various news uh, in regards to the mass shootings and what the Trump administration thinks, you know, a good solution would be. But who is the amplifier this week,
1: Ian? Excellent question. It's actually for today because we do these oh, you every are day. Right. Uh, but Troy is a Free Talk Live silver amplifier, which means Troy is contributing five bucks a month to the AMP program. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote, which means that you can help us do this thing that we do. In more places, like on more radio stations, we've got over 200 stations right now, coast to coast and beyond uh, throughout the week that air the show. We could have 300. It's possible. We can do more than that. It's just, it takes money. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes advertising, marketing, and promoting. And that's what the AMP program is about. Uh, plus, maybe spreading our uh, you know footprint, if you will, on the internet as well. So please go to amp.freetalklive.com and you can support the show as well. Uh, you can do it with PayPal, you can do it with credit card or Bitcoin BTC. It's ampamp.freetalklive.com. A-M-P, so we've been talking about uh, Donald Trump suggesting recently with all the continuing shootings that maybe it should be easier to put people into a crazy ward under involuntary psychiatric treatment conditions. And that's a pretty scary... I've been scary...
0: involuntarily committed. Have you? I have.
1: Me or too. A suicide attempt. Me too. Uh, well, not mine wasn't a suicide attempt. Mine was going crazy.
0: That's unfortunate. Yeah.
1: Well, it was. Well, they
0: would say mine was too. Then.
1: <laughs> and was it? No. No, it was quite quite rational.
0: Absolutely. In your mind. Yeah.
1: Well, are you they glad that you didn't it. do it? Are you glad you didn't kill yourself?
0: I'm neither glad nor unhappy. <laughs> well, I'll say it I'm glad.
2: Is. There were there were some things that influenced your uh, your particular trip into craziness yes like lack yeah. of sleep yeah. <laughs> yeah. for lack days of, lack of sleep induced by by an acid
1: trip where <laughs> i decided that uh, time didn't exist anymore and didn't need to sleep there you go so uh yeah kids don't don't not go to sleep it's very important <laughs> for you to sleep um but uh anyway yeah so i'm i just like to say Arya, i'm glad that you're you're still here thanks so i appreciate glad that. You, you weren't able to kill yourself um and maybe if you hadn't been committed maybe you would have True. So I don't think that's the case,
2: but... And, and I will say this, time is not real. It is just a construct,
1: but a you, cost still cost need to, you still need to <laughs> sleep. You still need to sleep, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yep, I learned my lesson. Very, very uh, hard lesson, but I did learn it. Anyway, going on here. Uh, so talking about what Reason.com has to say about this, and they say that while Trump seems to think it should be easier to lock people up and forcibly subject them to psychiatric treatment... The clear and convincing standard of proof is, according to the Supreme Court, required by the Fourth Amendment. The thing to be proven, however, varies from state to state, so there is some room for adjustment there. Under Florida's Baker Act, for example, the state has to show by clear and convincing evidence that there is a, quote, substantial likelihood, unquote, a candidate for commitment will, because of mental illness, quote, inflict serious bodily harm, unquote, on himself or others in the near future. Alabama similarly requires, quote, a real and present threat of substantial harm to self and or others. Massachusetts, by comparison, requires, quote, a substantial risk of physical harm, unquote, to self or others without reference to timing. And New York's standard is
0: similar. Oh, those are scary standards. Correct. That could be, oh, well, you felt suicidal six years ago or whatever. You're going to be involuntarily committed.
1: When Trump says we should, quote, reform our mental health laws to better identify mentally disturbed individuals who may commit acts of violence, unquote, he may have in mind loosening the standards for commitment by reducing the requisite level of risk or imminence of harm. But that would not really better identify potential killers. It would just cast a wider net, ensnaring more harmless people as well as more people with perhaps more homicidal tendencies.
0: So, so the idea, I mean, if we want to do that, you know, if that's what the Trump administration wants to do, that involuntarily confine everyone and you will have the biggest net you need. Right. That's, that's essentially what they're idea. arguing. Well, so is this, yeah. right? They're like, OK, well, we're not finding enough of the crazy, dangerous people, so let's just cast a wider net. To catch more people, and then by definition, we'll catch more dangerous, crazy ones. Well, of course, that doesn't really
1: pan out because the more people you put into this system, the more difficult it'll be to accurately assess them all because you'll That's be true. loaded with people to you know look at and question and put through whatever mm-hmm. you know tests that they uh, that they put them through. And, of course, that would be an excuse to grow those bureaucracies, right? Oh, we've got more people coming into the state hospital, so now we need to build more wings and make this place larger so we can serve uh, these customers.
0: I imagine the end result would be something like psychiatrists being in every public school throughout the country. You know, so that if they find someone who is disobedient to the established authorities, oh look, we can get them now. Let's put Johnny
1: in the camp for the weekend.
0: Yeah, he'll he'll <laughs> love it. Let's go to the phones. We got David from New Mexico calling. David, you're on Free Talk Live.
9: Yeah, you're making the points that I was going to make. You can't have a system like that because the uh, to- totalitarian governments have used the mental hospital thing the allegations of being crazy in order to lock up their opponents forever. The far left communist has done it and the far right uh, totalitarian fascist has done it. Well, then what do you mean you can't
1: do that? That's what they've done. So they could do it again.
9: What I'm saying is we can't allow it. We can't can't allow them to gain any ground on going back that direction because it endangers all of us. And they they have used, they've already proved they powers that be when, when people get into power whether they're left or right they, they use that, and so we can't allow them to do that they're, Yeah, it's I, a scary already, idea
1: because you know these guys they the only solution they have is to drug people up right so if they determine that something is wrong with you, you've got the wrong right. belief system uh, they will likely force drugs upon those people they, while they're in uh, captivity they,
9: they have a, they have a million they have a million things that they can do to block you first of all there, there's criminal law and there's civil law. And what the, the reason that they want to do, make these kind of laws to lock people up involuntarily is because they, they, they don't want to have to come up with the evidence to a criminal standard in mm-hmm. order to convict somebody in a criminal court in order to lock them up either in a mental institution or in a prison. And so what they do is they go on the civil side of law and they write a civil law that says that we're going to, take your, we're going to lock you up uh, because you're crazy or we're going to take your guns because you're crazy. Or in my case, they disappeared my children 12 years ago. So, so here's a real example, whether, whether it, uh, involuntary commitment for your mental state or whether taking your guns under red flag laws or separating you from your children. Um, they they will use – they'll write civil law in order – so that they don't have to meet a criminal standard in order to separate mm-hmm. you from what they want to separate you from, whether right. that's liberty, meaning freedom, or if they want to separate you from your gun, <laughs> right. or if they want to separate you – yeah. And good so, luck so fighting it. If you
1: can't afford a bevy of attorneys, you know high-dollar attorneys, good luck go- going up against these civil attacks.
9: Mm-hmm. Right, I'm living proof. I've been fighting for 12 years, and the case is still alive. I'm still fighting, and I still haven't been reunited with what belongs to me, no, nor uh, my children with what belongs to them. So, so it's a, you know it's a perfect example of what they can do already, to you and they will what they can do, can do now, yeah.
1: and they are doing right. now, and this will make this so much worse. Any kind of also.
9: also I'm sorry, one final point is when when, when they do it uh, the, the way that they're proposing to civilly commit somebody or to civilly take their children away or civilly take their guns away in, as opposed to criminally in cri- in a criminal situation they have to they have to come up with the evidence to prove prove their case uh, before you're subject to their law. In, in, on the civil side they they subject you to the punishment before they ever make the case and and, and what that means is that it, it's arbitrary, it's capricious and and on a criminal side there's a, you have a lot, a lot better chance of having a an objective, Standard apply to you it's still not good, but on the yeah. civil side, it, it, you're, you're, what you're doing is you're getting therapists in there to use their subjective opinion as opposed to the, an objective. Uh, Opinion or objective evidence Yes they'll say well we have objective Psychological testing that we've done And I would argue that even their psychological testing Is not objective Yeah
2: for
1: sure good call thanks for sharing that uh, With us here tonight for what it's worth according to reason Columbia psychiatrist Michael Stone estimates That one in five mass murderers shows evidence Of psychosis that doesn't necessarily mean Mental health specialists would have deemed them Dangerous enough for commitment Quote over 30 years of commentary judicial opinion And scientific review argue that predictions Of danger lack scientific rigor uh, so, yeah, you just can't really scientifically say anything about what somebody might do. But we'll in the be future. able
0: to in the future with all of the data mining going on. We will have AIs and algorithms that can scan through people's Facebook profiles and say, oh, this person is overwhelmingly likely to be a mass shooter. Let's involuntarily confine them now. In fact, they even link to a story
1: that talks about how psychiatrists are terrible at predicting violent behavior. So this is a pretty scary, uh, you know, box to open.
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the show later in the full archives at freetalklive.com. Once more, that's freetalklive.com.
1: I want to tell you about my favorite cryptocurrency wallet, Edge Wallet at edge.app. Edge is the wallet I use more than any other, and that was true long before Edge Wallet became a sponsor of Free Talk Live. Edge Wallet allows you to buy, sell, trade, and securely hold your cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, tokens, Monero, Ripple, Dash, Bitcoin Cash, and more. It's available for both Android and iOS, and you can download it via the Play or App Store or via Edge Wallet's website, edge.app. Secure your freedom with Edge Wallet.